what's going on y'all what a difference a week makes so last week's episode dropped on election day um and uh today's episode is exactly one week from election day uh half the country is ecstatic i hope i pronounced that right the other half of the country is pissed at crying foul um seems some low-key um uh <laughs> i guess for lack of a better word not even for lack of a better word for the exact word i've seen some low-key racism over the last uh couple of days since um you know biden has been uh determined the winner of our 2020 presidential election um how this plays out in terms of um you know how this affects hunting and conservation across america um we will see because i honestly don't know what biden's stance is on that i'm, I'm not even going to pretend um you know i know trump did uh pass the great american outdoors act um you know so that was a good thing um but <laughs> like i said what a difference the uh <laughs> the a week makes um seen a lot on social media the last couple of days uh been real interesting to see where people within the like uh where people within the hunting community where people within the hunting industry stand when it comes to their politics um and whatnot um just real interesting real interesting to see um just hope at the end of the day you know that people who went really hard repping trump people who went really hard repping biden can rep their faith you know just as just as hard you know can 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 go ahead and praise god and and proclaim god to be their lord and savior you know saying um just as hard as they went to post on social media that they were trump supporters or that they were biden supporters and so on because at the end of the day man y'all gotta put god first you know what i'm saying all right so before we get started want to shout out some of uh fine folks i partner with products i use and so on that I truly believe you guys really need to check out all right so check this um two weeks ago today i had the honor and privilege of working with scott einsman i hope i i pronounced his last name correctly um from the archery trade association um you know he photographed and filmed me hunting out in um out in virginia um so uh one on one of these particular days that we hunted all right uh i was up in a tree stand while he was he took a ground position to be able to photograph me hunting um at one point over basically over a hundred yards away i spotted two does so way 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 out of range um i was able to communicate to to scott um, that you know I saw these does but they weren't coming anywhere within range to me he texted me back asking if I wanted him to go ahead and kind of bump them towards in my direction towards my direction so what I was able to do was to open up my onyx hunt app on my phone literally pull up the map of the property that we were hunting drop a marker for where exactly i saw the does on the property we were hunting i was able to text that map to scott and he was instantly able to open up that map 
and know exactly where I needed him to go in order to kind of drive those deer towards me. That is one of the dopest features of Onyx Hunt, of the Onyx Hunt app, I should say. All right. Um, you know what I'm saying? It's been, I've told, I tell you guys every episode, it's instrumental in my scouting. It's instrumental in everything I'm doing hunting related when it comes to the property I'm hunting. Um, you know, had I not had, you know, an app like Onyx, I would not have been able to really communicate to Scott where the deer were and where I needed him to position himself. Um, were we able to make th anything happen? Unfortunately, no, but that's besides the point. You know, Onyx Hunt app has great tools and features like a trapping, a trapping, a tracking feature where it allows you to literally trace your steps wherever you're walking around that. And uh, that feature was basically instrumental in me mapping out an entrance and an exit strategy, depending on which way the wind's blowing for the land that I'm hunting uh, regularly, the land that I scouted and, and that I go back to and hunt. Um, there's the ability to uh, basically have maps offline, meaning if you know that the property you're hunting is, you're basically in that area, you're not gonna have any sort of cell phone signal, you know what I'm saying? Um, you can, in the, you know, where you do have signal, download the map of the area you're hunting, of the land that you're hunting to your phone. And then now once you're out there and you have zero signal, you can pull up that map and hunt it just as if you did have signal and be able to find whatever you're looking for, whatever fe terrain features and so on. So, I mean, there's a reason that Onyx is the number one GPS hunting app. You know what I'm saying? So like they say, know where you stand. You can download Onyx to your phone, whether it's an Apple device or an Android device. You can go online and know that whatever you save on either your mobile device or your laptop, you can see that information um, regardless. So if you save something on your laptop, your computer, when you open it, the app up on your phone, that information is there. Whatever changes you make on your phone, same thing. When you open up your laptop, it's there. You know what I'm saying? So again, Onyx Hunt app, know where you stand. Just go online and visit onyxmaps.com or just check them out on the Google Play Store or the App Store on your Apple device. Now, uh, next up, Nor'easter game calls. Uh, I, the rut's coming. You know, well, the rut is here, pretty much here in New York. I don't know about any place else, but the rut is here. You need a custom game call like those made by Mark over at Nor'easter Game Call. Check out his Instagram page. You can see these works of art he creates um, and how, while they're pretty to look at, they are dope to use. They do the job. Mark is great when it comes to, to just helping and teaching folks how to use his calls. Um, you know what I'm saying? Making sure they use them properly, make sure everything is working properly. Um, I have I, I have like two of his grunt calls, the grunt tubes. I have um, a turkey pot call. I have um, a uh, box call from him as well. I love his stuff. I can't wait to start using his call out in the woods during the run and get them in close. So check them on, check them out. I'm sorry on Instagram at Nor'easter Game Calls, or better yet, which is you know even better, visit them at www nor-eastergamecalls.com you know what I'm saying and pull the trigger and get yourself one now last but not least Afflictor Broadheads yes I'm a part of uh, Team Afflictor 
um and uh i killed my first turkey with with uh well my first turkey my only turkey my only bow kill with afflicted broadheads they work all right um and i use a fixed a fixed blade broadhead and it flew like a field point all right so i can't complain about it these if you look at if you go visit afflictor on youtube um in the show notes i'll put afflictor's youtube link you could see how durable the blades are how sharp the blades are and the amount of damage that uh, whether it's a mechanical or fixed blade broadhead from afflictor how they work so at this point in time i got no i got no complaints about them i'm not gonna say i'm not gonna have complaints about them i'm not gonna say i do whatever you know what I'm saying but when i shot my first turkey it flew the way it was supposed to and i was eating eating real good turkey that night you know what i'm saying so check them out afflictor broadheads at afflictor.com if i'm correct oh man i might be making a mistake either way check out the show notes and i'll make sure the the correct website is up there for you All right, all right, all right, y'all. Welcome to episode 47 of When the Hunt Calls. I'm your host, Cliff Cadet. If you haven't figured it out already, I am recording this episode of the podcast on my lunch break in my delivery truck. So you're going to hear some cars whizzing by. You're going to hear trucks beeping from backing up, people talking and whatnot. But you know what? I don't care because you know what? I enjoy speaking to my guests whenever I can. And uh, so focus not on the quality of the audio but on the quality of the conversation all right so today's guest on when the hunt calls is alex middleton he is a dog trainer he is a guide he is a survivalist a prepper um a self-proclaimed you'll hear you hear him say it himself a jack of all trades master of none but he is someone if you listen to last week's episode my guest was uh brandon ramos um he is who the person that brandon credits with his hunting success so i definitely had to get him on um the podcast and speak to him and learn a little bit about him because he's also a fellow new yorker so ladies and gentlemen without further ado my guest alex middleton all right ladies and gentlemen i am on the line with alex middleton now um Last week, um, if you guys listen to the episode, if if you haven't, I highly recommend you do. I had on um, my guest was Brandon Ramos, who is a uh, a fellow hunter um, that I know of by way of social media. Um, I got the opportunity to meet in person, but Alex here, my guest today, is actually the gentleman that um, Brandon credits with him being successful during his hunt. So, Alex, welcome, brother. Appreciate you taking the time out to to speak with me oh thank you cliff i appreciate you for uh giving me your lunch break <laughs> no doubt no doubt so um, i should warn my listeners they're gonna that noise that they hear in the background that is alex's uh parrot so um i'm all like i have no issues whenever there's pets uh any kind of animals anything in the background stuff like that just in case uh listeners are wondering so Alex, let's let's jump right into it. I've been following you on Instagram for over a year now. Um, I took a. I, it's funny because the other day I took a real 
deep dive into your gram, like went back to even before I started following you and like was really uh, noticing some really cool stuff. So I wanted to know, like, what do you consider yourself like a survivalist, a prepper, a hunter? Like what what if you had to give yourself a title, what would you what would it be? Um, well, to start, I don't think you can be a prepper or a survivalist without being a hunter. Nice. Agreed. Um, you know, that, that being said, I've always considered myself kind of like a jack of and a master of nothing. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm not really going to put any of those stamps on myself, but I certainly do all those things. Nice. No, so no, let me ask, because you're from New York as well. So where in New York are you from? Um, I was born in Brooklyn, but I'm from the Hudson Valley, which is like about an hour and a half north. All right. And how did you get into into the outdoors? Like, where does your love of that stem from? Is it something you, you grew that kind of instilled with you through family? I mean, instilled in you through your family, like brought up that way? Or is it something you came into later on in life? Uh, all right. So... You know, when I was a kid, uh, we didn't have a lot, but my mom always made sure to, like, get enough squared away that she could, like, send me to summer camp where I could go away and be in the outdoors. So nice. even, you know, before I harvested an animal, I was getting to do, like, the camping stuff, the fishing stuff, you know, making fires, things like that. Um, and then as far as, like, my outdoorsmanship, uh, you know, probably when I was about 11 or 12, my best friend growing up, had an uncle that was obsessed and he'd just be like i'm taking the boys and we're going and he was a real old school guy so he was probably letting us do too much when we were like 12 <laughs> like he'd be like like we would go fishing and he'd be like well this is my spot you guys walk a mile down the creek and you're gonna fish there <laughs> so, all right he yeah. wasn't letting you fish in his honey hole Exactly, exactly. And and I know, like, probably with the way things are today, that would never fly. Like, you got to mm -hmm. just be, like, watching the kids the whole time for safety and because you don't know who's out there. Mm -hmm. But um, from a very early age, I was kind of handed the tools and then set off on my own. Nice, nice. Now, I notice, because um, I'm not going to lie, if I had the opportunity, I probably would have done this as well. Because, like I said, I took a deep dive into your gram. I noticed you were i don't know if you still are but you were a huge fan of the walking dead and oh and, yeah and to be honest like all right so a couple of years back about seven years back i should to be honest like i tore a ligament in my ankle so i wasn't able to play basketball anymore so i took up long distance running and then the so i, I ran two new york city marathons and people used to ask me oh well why do you run i was like because long story short in the case of a zombie apocalypse i want to be able to outrun you yeah <laughs> so but i noticed i noticed like you 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 kind of like is it, it's, it's kind of like the skills went hand in hand they, that kind of like further your interest in the outdoors and being able to survive out there like a love of like a show like that kind of foster that as well yeah well it's funny you mentioned walking <clears throat> dead i have a real funny story about that um all right there, there's a walking dead cookbook slash survival guide i don't know if you've seen that no, I wasn't aware of this. And um, I, I was actually a consultant on the book, and they mentioned me in the acknowledgments. That I is got to awesome. take the writer of the book out on a hunt, and you know, into the woods to kind of show them what stuff was about. Dude, I did not. I like. All right, I've been following you for a year and change now. I did not know this. 
That but, is cool. But where, but where it gets crazier, and, and I was really humbled by this. This next thing I'm going to say, I don't want people to get the wrong idea that I'm bragging. This was like a humbling moment. So I said to them, you know, what made you guys pick me? And the, the writer had actually found me because um, she bought meat from the same butcher that I would get meat from. And um, she's like, oh, yeah, well, you know, Chris, he, he referred me to you. And the guy that we really wanted wasn't available to us. He said no. So we just figured we'd go with you. So, you know, the natural question is, you know, don't, don't mind me asking, but who was the guy you wanted? And she says, Steve Ranella, and I almost spit my coffee in that woman's face. <laughs> Dude, coming second to Steve Ranella is like, they, trust me, that's, that's, I, yeah, I, yeah I'd, brag, I'd brag about that too. It, I would it, brag about that. It, it was too much. It was, it, it put so much pressure on me now that I had to go take this woman in the woods the next day being like, damn, how am I going to, like, I could hunt for 10 lifetimes and not be on that guy's level. Yeah, I I hear you. If like I like I just said, if I was if I was to be chosen second to Steve Ranella, I'd I'd be bragging about it all the time. Yeah, I don't don't even worry about it. Like brag all you want. You should be you should be plastering that all over your social media page, uh, like every day. But um, all right, that's that's a dope that's a dope story there. All right, so I gotta I gotta ask because I know, all right, you are a, a licensed New York State guide, um. And and it's only it's only natural to me I, that um, you know your your experience in the outdoors would evolve into into probably wanting to do something like that to be able to mentor other people and and take them out. How did how did that come about? Like, what were the steps taken to become a guide? Right on. Um, I I think what before I get into the process, I think what made me even want to consider it. Um, was I was kind of always that guy that was bringing other people in. Like people would tell me, you know, I've never, um, I've never camped. I've never gone fishing. I've never done this. I've never done that. And I'd be always like, oh, just come with me. It's cool. So like in a way, I was kind of already going through those motions. And I've kind of always been like, I don't want to say a leader, but I've always kind of been that guy in the group that's kind of looking out like, you know, we're not going to go here and do it this way because I don't want anybody to get hurt. And not, and not even in the woods, just like in life, I kind of try to look out for my people. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, obviously, I don't mind the sight of blood. I like getting up early. I don't mind staying up late. I don't mind getting dirty. Um, as far as, like, becoming a guide, and I can only speak to the process in New York. I'm sure it's very different in all the states, just like mm -hmm. it's different in all the states. Um it comes down to a few things, you know, you got to have a clean record. Mm -hmm. You got to have it not just like your license and your, your legal record, but like your hunting license has to be clean. You can't have any violations of the sort. Um, you got to be caught up on your taxes. If you owe the state of New York money, uh, you will not get a license to guide. Wow. Um, All right. I didn't even know it goes that, that oh, um, yeah. deep. Um, wow. All right. You got to get, cpr first aid certified you got to get that um, makes sense Sorry. a water safety certification from the coast guard um regardless if you plan on using boats in your business they, mm. they expect it um there's a lot more boating and hunting than people realize um especially if you're in the more rural areas sometimes you have to take boats to get to the spot all right um, you know and that being said a lot of people you know they think about deer when a lot of people are hunting ducks and waterfowl out of a boat 
Um, uh, all right. so, so I'm not going to lie that that water safety voting class, I think, was the hardest part of the whole process. Um, OK, because I wasn't I wasn't that interested in it. So like to get motivated for something you're not interested in is hard. You know that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you had to do it. You know, I had to do it. Um, and then after that, you know, depending on what you want to be a guide in, because it could be hunting, could be camping, hiking, fishing, rock climbing, etc. There's a written test for each of those things. Okay. Um, you know, just like you would take a written like a SAT or something like that. Um, got it. Got it. Now, my my biggest complaint about the process, to be honest, and I'm gonna get in trouble with a lot of people. I don't think they make it hard enough. I, you know, it's funny. I was gonna ask and and actually see if you if you were going to be honest. I've been told that yeah, the the whole testing process is fairly easy. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. It's an open book test, correct? No, it was not no? open book for me. Um, All right. So I can't speak to that. But uh, one of the things, the other issues that I have with it, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this. <laughs> I don't think you should be able to get a hunting guide license if you're not also getting hiking and camping, because most of my hunts involve hiking and camping. Which I which I can respect, and I, and I'd like to go into that a little bit more in depth because I've noticed you did that with Brandon. And to me, it kind of goes hand in hand because a lot of times, whether you mean to or not, you're hiking a good ways when you're just looking for sign. You know what I'm saying? Deer sign or whatever it is you're hunting. You know, you're looking for sign on that animal. You're looking for for water. You're looking for for trail and things like that. It, it, to me, it almost makes sense that you should get um, the, the, the hiking and the camping uh, certification as well. Well, um, I think one thing a lot of people don't realize about New York, if, if you look at the name, every state, whether it's New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Florida, et cetera, every state has an agency that's governing hunting. Mm -hmm. And every state uses different language to name their agency. So as an example, in New York, we have DEC. Yeah. Other states have... Department of Natural Resources, Fish and Wildlife, Fish and Game, etc. Yeah. The the language that your agency names itself with is a reflection of that state's hunting culture. So, mm. so it so in New York, we have DEC because and, we're the first state that was a corporation. We have a regulatory culture of this state. So it's not necessarily about what's good for hunting. It's about these are the rules. Yeah. Which makes sense. Whereas, like, I notice most, like, DNRs, Department of Natural Resources, are tend to lean more towards conservation efforts than anything else. Correct. Correct. And right. you're, you're, you're also going to find um, when your agency is regulatory-based, there's going to be a lot more rules when it comes to hunting with firearms. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, let's, let's jump into your your relationship i guess you know what we'll use uh brandon as an example how how did that come about like um you know in terms of uh being his guide his mentor well you know it, it's it's funny that you keep saying that i'm his mentor but he mentors me just as much like he he is a very accomplished archer i mean he's the most yes. accomplished archer that i personally know mm -hmm. um so i've always looked at it as like we're bartering got it 
You know, I've always looked at it as like, you know, I need to watch the way he holds his bow. I need to watch the way he shoots his bow. I need to look at, you know, what equipment he has. Um, the deer that I shot the other night, that was actually um, with a broadhead that he handed down to me. That wasn't even mm -hmm. a broadhead that I bought. It was a hand-me-down. Mm -hmm. And um, I had followed him on Instagram. He had followed me. And... Um, you know, we would just comment on each other back and forth. And then one day I actually went to Gotham um, just to go check it out. And literally, I get one foot in the door. And from the other side of the room, he's shouting at me, holy shit, it's you. And, and mm -hmm. I didn't even tell him I was coming. He just, like, recognized me like that before I even opened my mouth. Wow. You know, which is really cool. And, uh, you know, at that moment, I was like, all right, I'm getting this guy a deer. Like, this guy, I'm getting him a deer. Like... It's, just, it's, go, it's going down. And then the crazier thing is, and, and neither of us knew this, um, my mom and my grandmother actually, like, know his family from back in the day. Oh, really? Yeah. And, that, like, we were, we were hanging out for months and months, and then one day I brought him home, and my mom started talking to him about his family, and it was like, oh, wow, like, we actually know your whole family. Nice. Nice. Small world, basically. Yeah, small world. All right. So with with guiding with guiding um, people new to uh, let's let's be specific with with hunting. What are like the first couple of things before you even take anyone out? What are the first kind of things that you kind of like, I guess, rules per se that you set or or maybe expectations you set with um, with the people you're guiding? Like, what is it that you you have to put out there first? Um, I think the first thing is a very detailed safety waiver. <laughs> uh, and then after that, um, my biggest thing is that people dress appropriately. Um, you're, you're not going to be effective if you're sweating the whole time or if you're shivering the whole time, if your feet hurt. Um, I, I rather somebody put most of their money into or their equipment budget in the um, clothing than, than even the bow, you know what I mean? If you're mm -hmm. just if you're if you're freezing to death, you could have a three thousand dollar bow. You're not gonna make that shot. Yeah, you would be too busy shaking like yeah. a like a leaf. Yeah. All right. Um, and and then besides that, I think I think expectation is something that um I really try to hammer home to people as far as like there are people who are the best in the world. Who gets skunked i mean just look a couple of years ago um that gentleman roy i forget his last name but he was like cameron haynes partner and best friend he died on a hunt that guy was one of the best in the world like mm. legit like that guy was legit one of the best hunters in the world and he lost his life in the woods um and you know i just i don't want pe i don't want to discourage people but i also don't want them to be complacent understood that's reasonable Anything, anything else you try to uh, put out there? Um, I mean, I think that's really it. Like being appropriately dressed, um, expectation, oh, physical fitness. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I'm not saying you have to be a marathon runner, um, mm -hmm. but, but it helps. Obviously, you know, it helps. Um, but, you know, if, if you've never played 10 minutes of pickup basketball and now you think you're going to hike, you know, four or five miles, you know, I got news for you. It's not going to be how you think, especially with a backpack on, especially in mud and dirt. Mm -hmm. 
All right. So tell me what was your experience like with Brandon? Cause, um, and I, and I like what you said about expectations because what, uh, what was cool about Brandon's experience is Brandon's never, hasn't been afraid to tell people that this is his first deer that he, that he shot and killed in, I think this was his fourth season. You know what I'm saying? So, so what's, what's that been like for you? Like, do you, have do you experience that as well or are you the type that you're you're always you know killing the deer or killing whatever animal you're hunting every time you go out all right well I, my answer for me is shorter so i'll answer it on me first all right um i had a lot of um success slash good fortune from like the start until this season and, okay. And this year, after having years and years and years of like really good success, um, I've actually had a lot of up and downs, and I and I was overdue for that, to be honest. Mm -hmm. um, I I needed that reality check, you know. Got it. Um, this season was the first time I missed the deer, which was like two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. That had never happened to me, and I'm still kicking myself over that. Um, I shot over it. Luckily, I didn't wound it. Um. The deer that I got this past weekend was the first time I ever had to track a deer more than 10 yards that I shot myself. Mm -hmm. So, you know, again, like that was a new thing that I had to deal with. Um, but, but that's how it is. You're, you're not going to, few people are consistent every, every single year. And, and if they are, they're putting a lot of work in. So it wasn't just consistency through luck. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the people I know who are consistent and like the few guys I know that get two or three deer every year, those guys work harder than everybody I know. Um, Got it. You know, and, and they make a lot of sacrifices to get two or three deer a season. You know what I mean? Like they miss yeah. work events. They miss family things. They got to get up earlier than they, than they want to. Uh, you know what I mean? They got to drive when they get out of work. They can't take the day off. Um, and but yeah, so as far as Brandon, um, it, it was interesting me as a guide because he, there's a problem with most people with, that get guided that Brandon didn't have. And that problem is most new people are, um, they're overconfident in their archery or they, they underestimate how hard archery is to successfully perform in the field. They mm. get very used to shooting in air conditioning or shooting on a level field, shooting targets that are marked with their range, that are stationary. Um, Brandon is probably the first person I've taken out who had shot a bow under like every circumstance. Um, you know, who practiced at super far distances to get his close distances tight, who understood the mechanics of the bow to the, to the point where like, you know, he knows that this kind of limb, when you add a half an inch, is going to give you this much more speed, and that's going to throw your sight off, so you've got to re-sight in if you switch that. Like, it, it was kind of like um, the difference between, like, the way a race car driver looks at a car and the way you or I look at a car, that's kind of how he's looking at both. Um, got it. So, so for me, that was, like, a huge first, but it was also a weight over my shoulders because um, I was like, look, if I can just get this guy in front of a deer, he will get it. Yeah, I hear you. And and to be honest, I I'd like to believe that this that's why that I practice as much as I do because even though I don't get out uh into the woods as much, I'd like to know that if 
a deer finally walks in front of me, I'm going to make that shot because I'm eliminating the possibility of me missing because I practice so much. Right. And um, in, in Brandon's case, I think at first he wasn't really believing me when I was saying like, your archery is legit, bro. Like you just need to get out there. I'm like, your archery is, is 10 times better than mine's ever going to be. You just got to get out there. And um, he's a little bit of a perfectionist with the archery. So for him, it's like, well, if I'm not shooting 100% every time, I don't want to go. And I'm just like, bro, like most people aren't even shooting 50% every time. Like I, mm. I respect, I respect your attention to detail and your respect for the animals, but you're ready. You know what I mean? Like he, he was probably ready long before he got out there. Got it. Got um, it. But I think what was a challenge, um, you know, him being like a kid from Brooklyn, he didn't have that, the woodsmanship or, um, you know, like he had never camped, you know, slept in a tent. He had never been where there, like at my, one of my camps, the one I'm at the most, there's bears mm. everywhere. You know what I mean? There's, there's coyotes howling all the time. Um, so I think all those things were, despite the fact that those are kind of normal things to hunting, they were a little bit of a distraction for him. Mm -hmm. um, all right, let me, let me ask real quick. So um, from what I've noticed is whenever you, take, whenever you take people out hunting, you know, and you're guiding them, they often tend to be, uh, camping trips. It's never just, you know, all day sits and then go home at night. You actually stay out in the woods for the weekend. Is there, uh, you know, a reason for that um, technique? Is it like more of a logistics thing or is it something that you believe in that, you know, people should camp out for the full experience? Um, for me personally, like I want the full experience. As far as the logistics, I think because you know, both of my camps are two hours from the city. Um, you know, if you are successful, you know, let's say you shoot a deer 10 minutes before the sun goes down, like I did the other day, then you have to deal with processing it. Um, whether you're going to drive it to a butcher or whether you're going to do it yourself, you know, if you're doing, you know, even if you have help, that might take a couple hours to do all that stuff. Um, you're not going to want to get in a car after you've broken your back all day and then process that deer to then drive home. Um, some people do, you know, for me, I kind of have a, um, as long as it's not a safety issue, I'm a customer's always right kind of guy. So mm -hmm. someone's just like, look, man, I want to get the hell out of here. That's fine. Um, we make those decisions when the trip is being scheduled. Um, Got it. You no, know, I've had people that, um, they wanted to spend the night but they weren't comfortable sleeping in the woods. So, you know, there's a hotel like 15 minutes from the camp. I drop them off at the hotel and they drive themselves. And then, you know, we hit it in the morning. Um, certainly, if you're, if you're worried about costs, um, camping out, obviously, is going to save money on the total cost. Um, but, yeah, it's just about, like, if you, if you want to access those really remote untouched areas you know you're going to be in a place where you're far from home and access to lodging um is not immediate mm -hmm. got it got it well you know what um next i wanted to ask you about was the different types of hunting or the different animals you you wanted because you're big into squirrel hunting right oh for sure um i think that it's it's just one more opportunity to be out there 
You know what I mean? The squirrel mm-hmm. season starts a month early. Though, though I personally prefer to harvest squirrels uh, until after the winter has started because you get a lower rate of parasites in them mm-hmm. um, after that first frost. But um, and the squirrel season goes, you know, to February. So for me, it's one more chance to get out there. Um, if you're a bow hunter and you can hit a squirrel with an arrow, you can hit a deer with an arrow. <laughs> got it. Got it. All right. And now another one last thing about a uh, different type of animal. You posted something a couple months ago that I was not familiar with whatsoever. And that was about. Uh, hunting rats in New York City. Tell me about that. Oh man, that's a whole nother podcast. Uh, like, so, I first of all, I didn't even know it was a thing. To be honest, Cliff, everything is a thing. <laughs> There's some things neither of us want to know exist. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> true. Very true. Very true. Um, so, so how how first of all, how do they? How is this done? Like, all right. So to to be fair. There's there's a few factions of people doing this in the city, and one one of them um, is administered by this guy Rich Reynolds, who's like super legit and involved in like the AKC dog world. Mm-hmm. And then the other ones are just kind of like hobbyists that are doing it. Okay. Um, and I actually got brought in because my girlfriend, who also works with dogs, um, a lot of people don't even know what I do full time. Like I do dog training and pet care. Uh, she, she does everything I do and more, and she basically brought me into this. Um, I'm still kind of new to it. But basically, you have dogs that are bred for this purpose. Like, there are different kinds of dogs, especially terriers, that have been bred to hunt vermin. And um, a group of people, they basically all bring their dogs. The dogs have been trained ahead of time. The dogs know what to do. It's just not like someone brings their chihuahua and sets it free. It's not like that. You know, all, These dogs are vetted. These dogs have better health care than you and I. Um, and this is what they do. Like these dogs, when they get in the car or they get in on the subway or however they're getting there, they know like, oh, we're going to hunt rats and they don't care about anything else. So um, the gentleman that administers the group, he has a whole map of the hot spots in the city that have the highest concentration of rats. And he leads the way. Everybody, you know, there's a meeting point. We take the dogs and we follow the map. And uh, the dogs basically just get set, you know, on the rats. Like, we shake garbage cans. We open up dumpsters. We go where no one in their right mind would want to go, to be honest. <laughs> and uh, we just let the dogs do their thing. Like, it's really, like, you're just there to keep the dogs safe. Wow. The wow. dogs are doing the hunting. And so what happens with the rats that are, that are killed? Um, they're disposed of safely. Okay. And, you know, I forget the exact number, but a pair of rats that are breeding in the course of the year, they can generate hundreds, if not thousands of offspring. So, like, every two rats we kill, that's like taking a thousand rats off the street. Wow. So, essentially, it's it's pest control. It is pest control. That's, That's exactly what it is. Wow. All right. So... Now I know. Now I know. I was just really curious because I saw um, it posted, like I said, a couple months ago on Instagram and whatnot. And I was really curious. I wanted to learn more, pick your brain about it. All right. So to round this out, I want to I want to touch on one last thing. And that is something that I believe is probably going to be near and dear to your heart because this project is is your baby. Um, And so you basically stepped into the arena in terms of creating your own camouflage for hunting if 
for being out in the outdoors. Please share that with, with me and my listeners. Like, what's that about? All right. Well, w- without, without even naming these two companies, if I tell you there's a Coke and a Pepsi of camouflage, you know who those two companies are, right? Yeah. Every, everybody is either Coke or Pepsi, right? They either yeah. have Mossy Oak or they have Real Tree. And yep. then some people have alternatives. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to have a product to generate income separate from guiding. Like guiding okay. is something you do because you love it and because you love hunting and you want to be a steward of hunting. You're, you're not really, I mean, at least me, I don't see myself like retiring off guiding. So I, <laughs> Got I, I wanted to have a product that I could have in a store. Um, and uh, one of my friends, an older guy that mentored me, we had been bird hunting with shotguns way up north, and there's a bird called the grouse. I don't know if you heard of this bird. Yes. And they are very hard to see. And I remember my buddy had remarked to me, man, I can't see these birds at all. And then I said to him, yeah, someone should make a camouflage based on this bird. And he's like, you know what? You're right. And then that started the wheels turning in my head. And I thought to myself, well, man, maybe the product could be camo. I mean, I use camo all the time. Mm-hmm. Even if it doesn't succeed, if I could get it to the point where it works, then I have cool camo for myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I just started kicking around the concepts and finding people that were a little bit more knowledgeable as far as like uh, computer design. Because when you when you make these patterns, the pattern has to repeat within a square of a certain size for you to be able to then hand it off on a file to the textile manufacturer. So Mm -hmm. I've got this drawing and people are like, this is great, but this has to be formatted in a way and you don't know how to do that. Um, Mm. You know, so then I had to go and find the right person that understood, you know, what I was trying to do or at the very least um, was willing to try because you got to understand hunting is controversial and if you go to a business person to do something with your hunting business and they don't like hunting, they're not going to work with you. Got it. And, and if you, you know, not to stereotype, but if you think about like the average artist or the average graphic designer, they're not known for hunting. So All right. I, I had to literally like get said no to by a bunch of people because they didn't want to support anything to do with the hunting industry. And then um, I eventually met this guy, Michael Yakutis, uh, who's a really great designer and artist. And he was like, you know, I don't hunt, but I listen to Joe Rogan all the time and he hunts. So I'm on board. Um, so, so again, like it wasn't something that um, the concept was mine, but I had to find the right people um, that could like help me get it going. And Got it. Right now, um, I'm actually in my, my third generation of it. Uh, when Brandon harvested his deer, he was wearing my second generation, um, which I actually think performs better in a blind than it does um, out in the open. Got it. I'm, think, I'm thinking about actually offering both and you know, saying, like, this is the multi-season. This one's optimized for blinds. Um, I believe Masi Oak has offerings that are optimized for blinds, and I've seen a few other people do that. Um, Got it. My my camo brand, if people want to check it out on Instagram, is called Mundus Letalis. And what that means in Latin is lethal world. And the reason why I named the company in Latin is because all of the wild animals 
are named in Latin by biologists. Mm -hmm. um, so my thought was, well, I'm just going to play off that. I'm going to play off like, all right, these guys are, you know, the different animals have been named for a reason this way. I'm hunting animals. My camel is going to be named after that. Um, nice. The, the specific pattern is called danger grouse because it's based on the grouse. Mm -hmm. um, I do have, without giving away too much right now, I have more designs coming in the future. And each design is going to be based off of a different wild animal. Got it. Got it. That's dope, man. And, and one, kudos to you for one like recognizing that you know what's what's occurring naturally you know what i'm saying in the wild to take that and you know as as a tool that you know the hunter can use so that's that's really dope so i wish you definitely you know much success when it comes to putting that camo out um, i appreciate it no nah, no worries brother and so you know what to to round this out final question what piece of advice being that you know you you've played for a good part of your you know outdoors career you played more of a leadership role what advice would you give to somebody like what's one thing you believe a newer hunter should know you know before going out in the woods like what's one piece of advice you would give them i think you have to understand and accept that to do it properly it's a lifestyle mm -hmm. I think that um, hunting is very comparable to something like um, mixed martial arts or marathon running, where if you're not thinking about this every day or, or at least every other day, mm -hmm. um, if, if everybody in your life doesn't know like, hey, this guy hunts all the time. Hey, this guy runs marathons all the time. Hey, this guy's an MMA fighter you're probably not that serious about it and you're probably not going to enjoy it to the fullest. Um, and you're not going to get the most out of it. It, it, it is a lifestyle. And, and I think that gets said a lot by a lot of things, but I think in this case, there are few things that are more of a lifestyle than hunting than hunting. Got it. Got it. All right. Well, last thing, um, I guess, please share with everyone where they can find you, whether it be social media, your website, you know, plug away. Sure. Um, the best thing to do is just check me out on Instagram, all one word, at zero feet per second, all written out. Mm -hmm. And um, if you go to that account, there's also a link to Mundus Letalis Camouflage in the profile. And um, again, uh, I just want to shout out real quick to Brandon. Um, really happy, really proud. Couldn't be more proud of somebody. Um, and also shout out to Raphael, uh, Franco knives who makes yep. our knives. It's really cool. Like I get to go hunting with the guy that teaches me archery and the guy that makes my knives. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm very yeah. blessed. I'm very there you blessed. go. And you know what? I got lucky. Um, Ralph blessed me with a knife last year. Oh, nice. so I have one of his, well, I have one of his knives as well. Um, I don't know if he's put them out anywhere, but I got to get him on the podcast soon. I was supposed to get him on a while ago. And I remember he was like, uh, can I curse? And I was like, yeah, it's not a problem. <laughs> um, and so I just got to make time and get him on as well, because then that would round out this whole uh, trifecta between Brandon, yourself, and, and, and Ralph. Awesome. And, and again, thank you for giving up your lunch hour to have me on. Nah, no worries, brother. Trust me. Thank you for taking the time out to sit and speak with me. All right, man. Yo, uh, stay blessed, brother. That's all I can say. All right, so I truly want to thank Alex for taking the time out to speak with me today. Um, 
I don't know if he rushed home, but I know uh, he definitely kind of penciled me in today for the interview. Um, even though I was doing it during my lunch break and whatnot, I truly appreciate him taking the time out to speak with me. If you guys want um, to link up with Alex, you're interested in hiring him as a guide, uh, something I definitely would recommend if you're in the, basically in anywhere in New York State. Because from in my past conversations with Alex, it seems like he's willing to travel, uh, you know, Follow him on Instagram at zero feet per second. His website is zero feet per second.com. Check him out. Um, his all his information will be in the show notes as well. So thank you again, Alex, for all of that. All right, folks. If it is your first time listening, I truly hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. If it if you are a return listener, you know, a subscriber, I appreciate you just a little bit more. I really ask. Um, you know, especially if you're a return listener, if you haven't already, you know, visit the review section of whatever platform you're using to listen to this podcast. You know, hook me up with a five star rating, maybe even go ahead and write a dope review. Um, you know what I'm saying? Because I would truly appreciate it. Until then, folks, remember, stay blessed and respect the journey, even when it's not your own.